get with the local firemen, anyone who can help them with prepping or a, a fire evacuation plan, anything so the family has a plan. And I'm in love with this good life. Can't give it up. Make it to the top. Keep climbing. Welcome to the Easemakers podcast, presented by Nines, for people who are passionate about the art of private service. Every estate manager has a story, and this is where you get to hear them. On this show, you'll learn from the best in the business, get tips and inspiration to fuel your career, and connect with people who get it. Subscribe now and join the conversation at easemakers.com. Today, Kristen Twyford and I are talking with estate manager Scott Sanders about executive protection, life safety, and the importance of being prepared for anything. Scott started out as a chef. He graduated from the Culinary Institute of America and worked in top restaurants in New York City, then started working on private yachts. From there, he became a house manager and found a passion for executive protection. Formally trained, did multiple courses, uh, got my medical back, became an EMT, worked in New York City 911 system for four years, so I had a strong medical background, and then just switched hats from the estate management and the chefing to just doing executive protection and concierge services for client, which, which was obviously super easy for me. When I've been feeding people and living in their homes, I understand how to deal directly with the CEOs and the high net worth families and all of their needs and issues and anticipate their needs. So then it just kept on going where I started working as a, an executive protection specialist and doing some chefing and doing some driving and vendor management. So I have a, this, this background of traveling with high net worth families, serving them, feeding them, protecting them. I have a unique insight. I've seen a lot of different homes, jets, yachts, you know, different situations with clients traveling with them. So I have a, a, a huge understanding of what they need, what they like, how they, how, how, when they want it, how they like it, and how to bring it and keep them safe at the same time. Awesome. Well, we want to get into a whole conversation about life safety and um, your, you know, your niche within private service. At, but we want to start with a lightning round of fun questions to help people get to know you. Sure. And so, to start out, I think a fun one to follow up on what you were just telling us about is what's one thing that surprised you when you first got into executive protection when you first moved into that area of private service. Um, I think as far as client interface. Um, being a private chef, that's that's you, you kind of have more interface and it's a little bit more warm with the client because you're 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 in their home. Executive protection is very cold. So generally they don't want you there. And you're there to provide transportation, logistics, corporate continuity, and you are you need to be in the background, you need to disappear. Um, unless there's paparazzi or whatever where there's an actual threat, then you need to kind of show up. But you're generally kind of trying to stay out of the client's eye. Um, it's it's you generally spoken to, and then you speak if you want to stay on a job. Um, it's kind of like the bottom of the, as, as far as interpersonal with the client, it, there's not a lot of that um, unless you're the key person. And then it's just all about logistics and, you know, where are we going next? What's happening here? This is what I need. And it's a huge amount of skill of providing executive protection in like the secret service model. When you see the secret service, you think like, what are they doing? 
are they just standing there and they're, they're, they're doing so much for, for these clients. And, um, so it's, it's kind of cold. It's a cold, colder interface and, um, it's, it's just, just colder and not as, not as like interactive with the client. Is there a story that you love to tell from your time in private service? It could be before executive protection or even once you had, you know, inserted yourself into that part of the world. I had really great adventures on the yachts. Uh, we, we, we did a lot. We, did, uh, we went spearfishing uh, all over uh, Thailand, Malaysia, uh, Singapore, um, uh, the Red Sea. Um, we were shot at on a yacht in Yemen. That was interesting. Um, we, we got out of there. Okay. I think they were missing on purpose. Um, but really with clients, I think it's, I think it's like when you provide, uh, you orchestrate an event, um, you keep them safe and they know you're keeping them safe it's in particular, uh, I specialize in working in Africa, um, where, where everything is set. You have your on-call doctors, you have, you have, um, you know, doctors with you, you know, where the hospitals are, you know, what their capabilities are, you know, um, <clears throat> if you have to air evac, you know what that capability is, you know, the roads. Um, so I think like just keeping clients safe. And uh, I guess the best comment I ever had from a client was, um, thank you for saving my life. And it wasn't nothing extravagant. It was just helping a client through a really tough time. Um, and, you know, maintaining their level of service, the continuity in the house and, and just keeping everything together as they went through a tragedy. So, wow. What is an amazing service experience that you've been a part of? And this could be as a guest or as a private service professional. One of my favorite restaurants was eating at uh, Picholine, which is no longer open. That was like one of my favorite restaurants. Uh, if anyone's ever been there. Um, but I think, um, my international trips, uh, where, where you, you're providing full scope concierge in third world, trying to bring up the level of service. So it's definitely not working correctly most of the time. And to, to bring the, the clients like home environment, like uh, through the butlers into the hotel rooms where they have like the, their goodies that they like and, and all the, 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 the wine, the champagne and everything that's set up internationally in like basically sub subpar hotels, right? Because that's just what happens. Um, that's always been a, a, a great experience to, to just bring that service level up no matter where you are. Um, so they, they're still enjoying their, you know, five-star lifestyle, you could say, um, which, which is a lot of fun. Cool. Well, we want to get into the heart of our conversation about life safety and to start out, I just want to understand how you found yourself in this area of private service. What drew you to it? What about it was so important that it really called you to, to devote yourself to this part of private service? Um, I think it's working for ultra high net worth clients on an executive protection level. And, you know, their every second is basically precious time for the, for the whole, for the corporation. And um, it really drew me having the, the concierge food, um, you know, materials, flowers, um, all the aesthetics, and then bringing that into a, you know, a moving environment in different locations, like in vehicles, and bring, bringing that, that service and the life safety 
um, in particular, you know, bringing in a medical background um, and all of these things. So you, you, mo the, the thing that's most likely going to happen with a client is regarding life safety or security is they're going to have some type of medical emergency and or they're going to injure themselves. It's not going to be ninjas coming through their windows or a kidnapping or anything like that. It's generally going to be some kind of medical issue. Let it be psychological, uh, drug overdose, you know, anything cardiac related, uh, older clients, trips and falls, um, accidents, and all, all of those things. So I, that, I saw like how you could bring all this together for a client and pro provide provide that continuous service with the added life safety in their home, plus the emergency setup and the evacuation plans, um, working with IT, working with, uh, let's say, their security team if they have one, um, and also seeing uh, really ultra high net worth clients that have, you know, 100 people on the property every day, and they have full security team, 12 people on the property, advanced team, um, and, and seeing how that works um, is not everybody can do that. But you can, you can bring in ultra high net worth family that has a staff of seven. You can train their staff uh, in CPR, first responder, and let, let the whole staff know what the capabilities of the local law enforcement, fire, EMS, hospitals, um, unique threats to where they live, and create a plan for them. So at least there's a plan and someone can initiate it. Because generally, the, the high net worth clients will panic because um, they're concerned about a lot of other things. Um, so speaking speaking on that, as you said, a lot of these families don't have a staff of fifty who are who completely specialize in this type of stuff. If an estate manager who's listening to the show right now wanted to increase life safety and reduce the liability for their principal, what's a good starting point? What's the bare minimum? Um, everybody's trained in CPR okay. and not just CPR, but you can do a first responder class, which is just, it's basically what a fireman or a police officer is. It takes three days and you get a little bit more involved with the AEDs, um, and the, the BVMs, which is a bag mass valve where you can breathe for people, can create an airway, um, and treating for shock, treating for bleeds. And it's not a big course that that's a base, you know, if someone gets a nosebleed, um, you know, how to treat a, a simple nosebleed and not have to necessarily call 911. Um, I think understanding your hospitals, uh, and what their capabilities are in, in particular, if you're in the Hamptons and you're in Montauk, they just opened up a, a new center in Southampton, but you, you're talking, you know, maybe an hour and a half in an ambulance to get to the nearest hospital. So if you have a broken leg, um, in Montauk, you're, you're, you're going to have a really long day. So you, to understand that. And then what you would do, would you just how to how to move someone who's injured into a vehicle, right? How to secure them. And do you do you use the vehicle or do you wait for the ambulance? Right? There's a lot of different strategic things that are gonna happen to to help people um just have a less horrible experience. Um so I think medical number one, understanding capabilities of 911 response, number two, um yeah, and, and understanding the capabilities of your staff. You know, your staff might not be capable of doing anything in an emergency. Um, so understanding all of that, um, I, I think then you'll kind of have, and then maybe have one key person. A, a great thing to do is to, if you're an estate manager, house manager, and you want to have a little bit of a different edge, uh, is to take an executive protection course, right? I've done two. Um, they're generally seven to 10 days. They cost between four and five grand. 
And they teach a lot of medical, uh, firearms, um, evacuation, um, and, and, and driving, technical driving, tactical driving. And so that's a, that's a great, there's some great schools out there to take a course and it will kind of give you an edge on, let's say just an estate manager or just a house manager, um, and give you that extra, uh, if you can do an EMT course, that would be amazing, but it is, it is lengthy. It does take up a lot of time, but the basic EMT course is, is basically like a mini pre-med of the whole entire human body. It's super, it's super simple, but. I can go in as an EMT and assess someone within five minutes and basically two things you do. Yes, you need to go to the hospital. No, you don't need to go to the hospital. And that's critical in, in you know, if someone's at a party and they sprain their ankle, you can kind of diagnose and, and go, you can wait till tomorrow, you know, enjoy the party, sit down instead of, you know, jumping in it. Or you need to go to the hospital right now. You have low blood pressure. Right. And you're not and you're not your blood pressure is staying low. This is an issue. We need to get you out of here. So I think the medical capabilities, some basic courses, and then maybe have one key person who's done more. Like maybe it's the driver right. you know, who's, you know, part of the family and he's got some extra training, especially. And the other most dangerous thing is vehicle transportation. So you're either going to get hurt in a vehicle or it's going to be some kind of medical trip or fall or accident. Mm-hmm. Thinking about being prepared and sort of outfitting the home to have everything it needs, what are some of the different areas that household staff and estate managers should be thinking about? Um, I think, you know, the security of the home. A lot of these homes, they're wide open. The gate's open. You can come right in. Understanding if the client has any credible threats, right? Has anyone threatened them in any way? Is there any litigation against them? Do they have any enemies? Um, understanding like blood types, allergies on, and have, have a list on each client, including guests, if you can get it right. Understanding like, um, if, if someone is, uh, you know, another thing that happens in homes is, uh, people have psychological breakdowns, high net worth families, children, uh, they overdose, they take, they drink too much, they party too much. And you see kind of these calamities going on. And as a executive protection person, you're, you're trying to not just protect them and keep them safe, but protect their reputation, right? Protect the family's reputation, which is very critical. And, you know, having an understanding or liaison with law enforcement, local law enforcement, and having a relationship with them as the estate manager, house manager is critical because then, then you can like, you can call them uh, and, and, and have a real conversation, um, not necessarily have to call 911, right? You could call direct. That will, that will cut down a lot of the exposure for a client. Let's, even if it's just an injury, you know, every time you call 911, that's a recorded line and then everyone comes. It doesn't have to be like that. And if you understand, you can kind of quiet things down. And this is what elite executive protections do, teams do for their clients all the time to kind of keep them out of messes. Can you walk us through a couple of scenarios where being prepared can really make a difference? Absolutely. So um, in particular, overseas, I've done a lot of missions to Africa, and if you're going to be prepared in the in the developing world, um, you, you really need to be prepared. If you're going to be prepared anywhere, it's there. So, um, you know, d being able to advance, like let's say you're in Uganda, advance it, connect with your, get your security people on the ground, advance every single hotel, every single venue, every single area where, um, you know, wherever the client is visiting, doing philanthropy, advance the guerrilla excursion, um, you know, have the, have your doctors with you 
on-call doctors, you know, and, and all of these things come together. So, for example, of course, overseas, people get sick, in particular in their stomach, within four or five days of being in country. So we already have meds on us, and it's the meds that the, the local people take that actually work really good. So people get sick, we have medication for diarrhea. Uh, we have medication for malaria. We have medication, you know, basic meds for everyone um, in, in third world. And so it came in very handy where people get sick, you, 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 know, you do your vitals, the doctor assesses them, uh, maybe they need, maybe they need IV fluids, and we just treat right there, you know, in on scene wherever we are, and start getting the person rehydrated and you know back on their feet. And uh, that's been really helpful uh, for for the whole team and the whole uh, the, the whole experience, um, in particular overseas. Great. And then in terms of at home in the household or on the estate, is there anything that you can think of that would be a scenario that you really should be prepared? Sure. I mean, so. I, I could get into the worst case scenario now. So, you know, clients have like three safe rooms. They have a safe floor. They have, they have all these things, right? And, but if you're not prepared for the worst case scenario first, and this is my worst case scenario, I think all of our worst case scenario, it's no water and no electricity, right? And then that means your generator didn't kick on or there's something going on in the system, or there was a glitch, or it was cyber, or it was a local local deal, a water main break, whatever it is. If you're at home and you have no water and you have no electricity, well, you can't really cook. Um, you can't flush your toilets. Um, you can't take a shower. And this is a big problem. So my, my setup is based on worst case scenario first, and just deal with that. And if you're not set up for that, um, and something goes down, then you're not set up, even though you have safe rooms and you have 42 years of dehydrated food and all this stuff, it's, it's, gonna, it's not going to work. So be set up for, uh, it's like five categories. It's the food, non-perishable. I like canned better than MREs, the meals ready to eat. They're a little more tasty, um, different variety. Um, sanitation is super important. So where is your waste going to go? If you're in the – and this is for us, like, regular regular folk too. If you have no water in your house, where is your waste going to go? How are you going to get rid of your waste? We all have waste every single day, all the – you know, throughout the day. So there, I have a system for that. It's very simple. The food system is canned food, four cans of food per day per person. You pretty much be generally satisfied throughout the day. Um, you know, if you're really hungry, you could have five cans. Um and you don't want to be eating tuna fish every day either or high salt, uh, sodium-based uh, food. So I kind of like Trader Joe's where you could go buy five, six, eight hundred $800 worth of canned food at Trader Joe's. It's cheap. It's not that salty. It comes in great varieties. You can stack it, label it just by year, buy a variety of, a variety of foods there. Um, and then you have your emergency lighting, which is basically small pop-up lanterns and you buy like 50 of them. All the same lantern, all the same batteries. You buy 500 batteries and you have light for three months, right? And this is regardless if you have a generator and a solar backup and you have all of this stuff, if you want to be prepared if that stuff fails, which it will. And it might be something stupid like the generator maintenance guy cut a wire or something and your whole system doesn't work. Um, so in the last one is the you got two choices in these situations and that's stay or go. Right, so you're either going to stay put or you're going to evacuate, and then having a plan for evacuation, 
first and second evac location, right? It might be another house. It might be a neighbor's house, right? It just might be an isolated thing around where the client's home is. And then how are you going to get there? And what are you going to take with you? And how severe is the evacuation, right? If it's an earthquake or something serious or a major terrorist attack, I don't know. Um, you, you need to have a plan with bags packed, suitcases packed, labeled, food packed, everything, vehicle, everything goes into the vehicles and, and you start moving towards your secondary location. Most clients do not have a setup like this um, and it's really simple stuff. It's, it's you know, uh, bare bones. Uh, we're not talking, this is not sophisticated. So you got your food, you got your, uh, your water supply, which is bottled water. Uh, plenty of cases of that. A way to get water off the building, right? If, you, if, if there's, a, if there's a, you know, off the gutters, off the roof, irrigation system. A way to sanitize water. Um, your sanitation system. I'm not going to get into it in graphic detail, but it's very simple. It's like garbage bags and EMS gloves and wet wipes. And you just put the garbage bag inside the toilet, a clean, dry toilet. Instead of going outside, we're not going into hunter gather. We're just using some some of our basic inside camping skills, right? And then there's the evac. So that that's pretty much what I I don't know if anyone else has some other thing to do in this situation, but I think that's pretty much it to to cover your worst case scenario. Um, a lot of people say, "Oh, I live in the city. Do you suggest a parachute?" And I'm like, "No, I don't suggest jumping out of a building with a parachute. The windows are sealed." You know, so they're going into like this extreme thing that's not going to work. Like, how about some food and water evacuation plan? Maybe a smoke hood if you live in a, a big building. Uh, flashlights ready to go. Understand your stairways. You know, under, understand what's going on. So the basics, so you don't panic. Yeah, that's fantastic, Scott. Um, it's funny because when we think worst case scenario, like you said, regular folk could and should be doing this because we'd all be affected. Um, you gave me a possible scenario and that was, you know, potentially, uh, let's say catastrophically someone launches a nuke, right? And even if it doesn't hit you where you live, it'll affect you. Can you, can you tell us a little more about how that would look and why we should be prepared sure, for so, something like that? Sure. I'll get right to the point. I obviously there's a war in Ukraine with Russia. Russia is threatening using nuclear weapon within Ukraine. If they do, they might use one or two. We will not be affected. We will not be destroyed. We will be alive here. We may be hit with some secondary radiation cloud maybe two or three weeks later, right? But what everyone in this country is going to do is everyone's going to do the same thing. They say, oh my God, a nuclear weapon went off in Ukraine. And everyone's going to go get cash, go get gas, get cash, gas, and food. And within three days, there's going to be no food, no cash, no gas. And then if you didn't even have a basic supply of a week in your house or two weeks where you could just stay in your house with electricity on and just a basic food supply, we'll most likely still have power here, um, then you're going out in the mess trying to get cash, food, and gas, which that's where you're going to get hurt. And you're going to get, and there's going to be some crazy people out there because nobody has an emergency setup. So everybody's going to panic as, for example, COVID and toilet paper, right? And, and two-hour lines to get into Costco. Um, so this is really for everyone. If everyone would just like set themselves up with a 30 day supply of food, water, light, sanitation and evacuation plan, then we would we wouldn't be in the situation we're in now where nobody's really prepared and everybody just, um, you know, runs to the supermarket in a panic and waits. And, you know, the herd, I call it the herd. 
they all go to the same place at the same time, wait in the same lines, talk about the same thing. And, you know, I don't want to be in that herd. I want to be taking care of my clients, right? Taking care of my family. And if you're a private service professional and um, your house is not set up, that means you're not going to be with your client. You're going to be with your family and then the client is going to be left alone with maybe they have some staff that lives there. I don't know what the capabilities of that staff is. And then the client's going to be left in a dark house with no food, no cat. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's all part of this fragile system that we're in. And I'm not an alarmist, but obviously we're coming closer and closer and closer with our shipping, uh, cyber, uh, computers, all the food. And, you know, I feel vulnerable. Uh, because I have, I don't live on a farm, you know, so it's, it's, this is just basic, ba basic setup. This is as simple as it gets. It's not expensive. Um, and, uh, it's just, you know, camp, camping in your house. It's a good way to put it. Scott, any final words of wisdom for private service professionals or estate managers who want to be more prepared? Um, I think prepare yourself first. Keep a little something in your car. Make sure you have a – if something happens in your client's home, I mean, you definitely should have a flashlight, some basic tools, some basic first aid on you mm -hmm. to, to help out whoever. Um, and if you set yourself up first and then gradually set up the client, they, they get a little iffy about this, right, um, because they're concerned about other things. But we're getting closer and closer to something happening that's going to be a little bit more significant. I'm not sure what that is, but my main concern is food and water and light and sanitation. And that should be their concern too. And it's kind of, if there's a key person on staff that can either get with a local fireman, a little, you know, anyone who can do a little bit, help them with prepping or a, a fire evacuation plan, anything. So the family has a plan. Uh, an area to meet on the estate outside the house, you know, all these simple things. And um, also, you know, take, do, do, your, do your extra training, like take an executive protection course, take a medical course, um, take a, uh, you know, there's a lot of different courses you can take uh, and have something in your car, have something in your home, and then maybe suggest to the client, hey, how about we buy like $1,000 of canned food? I'll throw it in the basement, I'll label it. And then, you know, at least if you weren't here during the emergency, the staff will have food. And then we can just donate the food before it expires, right? So it's, it's, we're not talking big money here. And it will really help out. Thank you to Scott Sanders for joining us today. If you enjoyed our conversation and want to hear more from experts in the private service industry, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. Tell us about your favorite episodes and let us know what you want to learn next. To connect with other estate managers on a regular basis, join the conversation in the EaseMakers community. The EaseMakers podcast and the EaseMakers community are presented by Nines, the first dynamic household management platform built for discerning households and the private service professionals who support them. Visit NinesLiving.com to see how Nines can help you bring your house manual to life so you can live with ease. I'm Mohamed Elzamore. And I'm Kristen Twyford. And we'll see you next time on the EaseMakers podcast. And I'm in love with this good love.